Hi, and thanks so much for tuning into another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud with me, your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. Today, I am thrilled to introduce Linda Parmar, who is both a recovery coach and a money coach, and uh, I will let her tell you more. Thanks, Linda, for being on. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Um, so could you maybe just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your own background, your, how you came to be a recovery coach and a money coach? Sure. So I have been in the financial industry for, um, I'm officially leaving the financial industry in my blue collar job, not blue collar, what would you call that? Like corporate job, let's say. Um, I've worked as a financial advisor in the industry for 20 years now. So I became, it wasn't something I actually loved all that much, but it was just something that kind of fell into my lap. The one thing I did love about it was helping people. So kind of fast forward to where I am now. I've been sober now for five and a half years. Congratulations. So thank you. So yeah, recovery has been an amazing gift for me. So what I was finding was that I had a lot of people coming into my office, seeking advice as a financial advisor, um, but I was never able to get to kind of the root of the problem with them. Okay. So I went to a She Recovers retreat four years ago. And I'm not, no, don't know if you're familiar with John Nichol, who's the founder of She Recovers. I'm only vaguely familiar. I've seen her and I know it's her and Taryn Strong is the daughter. I know it's the mother and daughter combo um, that created She Recovers. And they sound, I know they're doing a, an event in San Diego coming up too, where I live, but it sounds like right. they are a really strong community and they're all over the, uh, all over the country. They're amazing. Yeah. So I was sitting on a couch on a retreat and pretty much like you do yoga, you eat amazing food and just kind of have time to yourself. And Dawn and I just had this amazing conversation about how I really want to help people. I would love to be a recovery coach. And she's like, well, why don't you do the recovery coach training and then do money coach training? And it just kind of has evolved into this a beautiful career where I'm able to really pair up the recovery coaching and the money coaching because of my experience it's you know all the same pile of stuff right so um, usually when women and men obviously but a lot of times um, women will we will definitely get into financial issues in our addictions and then um, I find mostly after we start to get sober, there's a lot of crazy spending. Yeah, I've definitely heard people talk about that um, in some of my women's meetings. I have one friend in particular who, and she's very aware of it, so it's great, but she's like, I'm just, I can't stop spending because it makes me feel better. And it's like not a replacement for the, you know, the drinking or the addiction, but I think our brains do want to, you know, latch on to the next thing, whether it's food or exercise or excessive spending. So when you, so you were a financial advisor and then I'm curious about the money coach designation. Is that something that's just for like, is that along the same lines as the recovery coach or is that, I guess what I'm asking is, can you be a money coach and not a recovery coach or do the two always go together? No, you can definitely just be specifically a money coach. So I just, the niche for me, because I'm so passionate about helping women in recovery or just people in recovery in general, um, that really spoke to me. So I really wanted to, like, I feel like I understood addiction pretty well within my own experience, but just being 
able to support people like I have supported people quite early in recovery. But I really like to kind of jump in once they have a solid recovery underneath them. Because, you know, as with recovery, we have all those layers of that onion that we're peeling away. So I like, you know, for them to have quite a solid recovery. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So money coaching is a completely separate designation. I've just kind of married the two um, to work together. I guess I'm trying to understand a little bit the difference between money coaching and then your work as a financial advisor. Um, is Could you speak to that difference a little bit? For sure. So I would say that as a financial advisor, what my role is, is obviously working for a financial institution. So I'm there to, you know, invest their money into mutual funds or invest their money into term deposits, you know, build financial plans, do their mortgages lines of credit, constantly consolidating debt. Whereas a money coach, it's, it's, we do get into the practical stuff about money, um, but it's very behavior-based coaching. Okay. So we really get into, okay, you have a spending addiction. Let's talk about what's underneath that. Let's talk about feelings. Let's talk about how you feel when you spend money. Um, What was your history with money growing up? What happened to you? Like what happened with your parents? And money is such a energy that people don't really understand. And a lot of people are really scared of. Yeah. I think that's terrific too, that that even exists. I don't think I knew there was such a thing as a money coach um, that dealt with all of the behavioral things that go around it. Because it's such an emotional thing, I think, for so many of us. Um, And I don't know if you found that more with women or if it's women or men. I mean, I think it's just really humans where it's either this thing of like we try to hold on to it. Or I was listening to one podcast by this finance lady, um, Hillary Hendershot, I think it was. And she made some point that if you're used to, for whatever reason, not having money in your account, even as you continue to like make more money and have more money, you'll continue to figure out ways to just keep your account really low, whether it's excessive spending or I don't know what else it would be, but that you, because that's like your status quo with money and what your, your boundaries or your affiliation is with it, but then you'll always default to that baseline until you address really the underlying causes. Absolutely. There's so many underlying causes that people have no idea are really happening because they say that one stat that I love to use is that 91% of the decisions you make every day are, are unconscious Mm -hmm. and 9% of the decisions you make are unconscious. So we're making all of these, our brains been wired a certain way with money behaviors and whether that be shame, anger, fear, like it's just all of these huge things that happen that, uh, yeah, you just, need to start to rewire your brain and start to celebrate money as opposed to being scared of it. Mm -hmm. I love that. I heard um, a woman, actually the woman I interviewed yesterday had, she'd done a finance, not really a finance talk. It was like around the nervous system and nervous system regulation, but as it relates to money and it was really cool. Um, That's kind of how how I found her and sought her out to interview her. Cause I was like, Whoa, I love that. She's talking about money like this. And Oh, I can't wait to listen to that one. I'll send it to you. It's good. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's right. She's a somatic experiencing practitioner, which is a lot of the work that I do with with women is that 
kind of expanding nervous system capacity and figuring out nervous system regulation and and understanding more like what's going on with all the subconscious things. Um, but I love like I love it as it relates to money. I think because I am so aware of how that's affected like my life. And I was going to make a point here about this. Oh, the one thing that she said was that we should get used to saying money instead of like, oh, I'm you know accumulating wealth or my abundance is returning or things like that, just to really be like, no, I like having money and to just yeah. clear about like money is okay to say and it's okay to want it. And, and it's okay to talk about it. I think we're finally in a place in the world where we're starting to talk about it a little bit. Because our whole world was thrown into money and we were supposed to understand what to do with it and nobody's ever really been taught what to do with it and we're all just kind of winging it yeah it's true it feels <laughs> we're like we're all winging it we're just like okay so this is what my parents did with money so this is what I'm going to do with money and it's all such unhealthy behaviors that everybody's been taught and it's generationally being passed down and yeah it's web of craziness at times. Definitely. Have you ever yeah. worked worked with um, families, like worked within that inter- intergenerational system with um, the money coaching? I have not yet done that. Um, what I would say is that it's kind of a crazy story and it wasn't a position that I should have probably been in, but I've had quite a traumatic experience myself with money. Um, my there was a lot of violence surrounding money. There was a lot of um, lying, that sort of thing. But I actually did some money coaching with my parents, who caused this tra- traumatic experience for me with money. I would have never done it if I felt I wasn't so strong in my healed part of my story. But um, it was just amazing to watch their view of it and what they thought happened and it was it it was the most beautiful experience I've had in a long time was really help walking them through that and letting them see what happened to me as a child because of that too so it was like a six month kind of project for us but it's been it was pretty cool so it's something I definitely want to get more into that's for sure yeah that's really that's so amazing too to you know, to get sober and to be in recovery and then to be able to have those type of experiences. Yeah. Yeah. My parents are both in recovery too. So oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's in my blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's great though that you're all like, you know, out of the active addiction and in recovery and have that uh, vernacular and language and common ground. Yes. Yes. It's, it's a beautiful thing. That's for sure. I'm so grateful for our recovery and that my parents, you know, it wasn't something that I caught on to quickly. I should have probably learned my lessons a little bit earlier in life because I did grow up in an in, in alcoholic home and both sober parents. It took me a little longer than it should have to get sober, but that was my story. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think... Yeah. I don't know. I think, yeah. As I mean, just the fact that you, you got there and you're there and you're exactly, that's, that's the part. Exactly. So t- I'd love to hear more about your work as a recovery coach too. And I see a lot about recovery coaches online and I was just out visiting my brother and he's got a good friend who's a recovery coach. So we were talking about that, but I don't know, like what exactly does it entail to become a recovery coach? I did my training through gonna I don't remember exactly what institute it was through now that's horrible 
That's okay. I, well, I did my designation through, she, like, it was a She Recovers coaching program. In, oh, goodness, that's really going to bother me. But um, the institute that I did it through was the one that um, She Recovers did their coaching through. So what I did was my certified um, professional recovery coach designation. And then the She Recovers coaching designation um, was just something kind of added on from there. So having both designations for that and just really taking you through the process a lot about the neuroscience of what happens with your brain in um, when you're in active addiction, what happens afterwards, and just different ways to try to support someone through that. Mm-hmm. Because I think the one main thing that she recovers um, really focuses on, um, and one of their guiding principles is we have we have to be supported to find and follow individual pathways and past works of recovery. So what meaning? you know, AA doesn't always work for someone, you know, like the 12 steps sometimes doesn't work for people. So she recovers really is kind of stands by recovery coaching can be that other thing that can really support you one on one. So Mm -hmm. um, having that constant check in with somebody just having that coach there to help support you. That's great. Yeah, because sometimes treatment centers don't work either, right? Yeah, I mean, I've heard you know, friends of mine in recovery and and that are doing 12-step work, but that have been in and out of treatment centers and just just wouldn't work. And it's really hard to watch. And I, I can't imagine for the person going through it just to watch somebody who who does have like a lot of relapse as part of their story and and mm-hmm. to see that like kind of continuous struggle. And it's like, well, okay, like what else can we try? So it's good to know. I've been enjoying doing this podcast because I have talked to people that uh, have come to recovery in, in quite a few different ways. Like it's not always 12-step based or AA based. It's it's really a variety of things that seems to be working for people. So I think it's wonderful. I mean, it's interesting for me to just hear and see that and kind of expand my worldview of what recovery is and can be. Um, but for I think sure. it's probably beneficial too, hopefully for some of the listeners, if anyone is struggling and maybe you know doesn't want to try AA or has and it doesn't work or you know, whatever. It's just great that there's, there's options and to hear people that are having success with different options. For sure. And I find the, with the recovery coach, it's that accountability, right? And mm-hmm. I think that sometimes it's just, it's just some very different ways to really kind of help support somebody, which I think is really important. And I think what's really important about a recovery coach, and especially like even with me as a money coach, um, you have to meet people where they are. Yeah. So um, with a lot of the programs that are out there, it's very specific on what you have to do, but some people aren't there yet. So you got to kind of meet them where they are um, and then, you know, do what formulate and specialize a program that's going to work for them. Absolutely. So I think yeah. so if there's like too much pushing and someone's just not ready for that amount of it, then it just leads to complete non-action, potential disaster, like <laughs> just, you know, it's not good. not good. Yeah. Yeah. So do you work with you? I'm kind of curious about st- strategies and I know we just talked about how individualistic it is, but are there any like broad based strategies that you recommend for people that are maybe in that sort of, I don't, well, I was going to say sweet spot in recovery where they're kind of have done some of the initial work and, and now they're able to like tackle bigger things. 
Are there any sort of base, like baseline guidelines that you give to people to maybe manage past debt or as they're kind of getting, you know, getting their lives back together, maybe getting a job back, things like that? Um, are there any sort of global strategies that you would recommend? For sure. I think my first one that I would recommend to be the first one, and unfortunately, it's the scariest one. So this is this is where it gets a little bit hard, but this is where I try to make it as simple as possible, is I believe you really have to write things down um, in regards to where you are. So a lot of people are really like, oh my God, I have all these money issues. Oh my God, I don't have enough money, but they have no no understanding whatsoever of what's really happening with money. So I think that one one of my first steps that I always try to go through with someone, and in saying that it has to be a very gentle, slow process, um, but really having a look at your bank account, like how much do you pay each month in bills? How much do you pay each month for your rent? And just start getting like a running total of what's really happening, what's expected of you financially. And then, you know, if you're making an income, what does that look like? And looking at your expenses and sort of saying like, okay, do I really need that? All that sort of stuff. It really just people, it's amazing how many people have no idea how much money they spend Mm -hmm. and what they spend it on. And if you don't have any sort of um, accountability that way, the patterns are just going to keep going on that way. I was just going to ask if you use programs like QuickBooks to help like get people set up. I just, I'm asking that because that's one thing that I set up like in sort of early-ish recovery because I was in that same place of, gosh, I just, I don't know. I want to see what's happening with my money. So that was like, and it felt empowering to me to at least get that set up and have some somewhat more of an idea. Yes. There's, um, I use Mint a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's an app that um, seems to be quite user-friendly. I'm actually teaming up with a colleague right now who um, she's actually in recovery and she has started like a money app that kind of helps you as well called Money Minder. Um, I haven't haven't dove in quite into and done the training on hers yet, but it sounds like it is amazing. But when it comes to what I work with right now with clients, Mint I find to be the easiest one because mm-hmm. it gives that summary, which is the best part about it. It gives that summary and you can choose how often you get that summary. And with sometimes when my clients get those summaries, they're blown away. <laughs> how did I spend $500 on Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> what did I get? <laughs> Do you... Did, oh my God. Have you found that when people start getting that that raw data in their face that they are able to like start slowly making changes or has that become a struggle? I think that sometimes it's really overwhelming for people. So again, that's where um, everybody, it's a little bit different. So kind of backing up a little bit on what my process is, like I probably wouldn't jump into like budgeting right away um, if I was coaching someone um, because I like to deal with the feelings and what's kind of what's their history with money, that sort of thing. So it's not usually until about a month into it that we really start to tackle the budgeting. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to 
you know, those first kind of steps that people can take. I believe without coaching, I believe that it's that awareness of what's kind of going in and out. Another tool that I absolutely love because I believe we need to change the energy that we have with money. So I am a huge advocate for keeping a gratitude journal about money. So we all know how much gratitude journals can create that abundance in our lives. Even if it's, I'm grateful I got to pay my phone bill. I'm grateful that I made, you know, that I was able to go to work today and make some money to pay rent. Just really acknowledging what the role money is playing in your life. I think that's a huge, huge way to go about it. Create that abundance, create that energy, let go of that fear, let go of that shame. I was going to ask you if you um, advise like some kind of journaling. I like that, the gratitude about money. Yeah. The other thing that um, journaling wise that I often say to people, because it's the emotional spenders that I deal with a lot. Um, So what I suggest is keeping a little journal, just a little one in their glove compartment in their vehicle when they feel that impulse spending starting to come up because that impulse is kind of like when we were drinking, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're trying to numb out on something. So it's like, okay, what am I feeling in this moment? What am I trying to escape from? What is happening with me right now? What am I stressed out about? What am, am I sad? Am I hungry? Am I, you know? just really pinpointing and attaching the emotion to it. I like that. And it seems like relative, it seems very manageable to think about, let me start the, you know, these couple small steps and just to get a framework around beliefs about money. Do you find that, this is another broad question. I'm just curious, like in the recovery community and this, I'm just curious if, if you find that there's a lot of like an attitude about money of like, I'm not like deserving of, or is it more like emotional spending? I'm sure there's some of each. I know it's a broad question, but I'm, I guess I'm wondering if like with that addiction behavior and like the need to numb out is, is does it, does that come with, you know, maybe I'm not good enough to have enough money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And to be honest with you, when I usually run across that with people, a lot of the times it's been from relationships in their past hmm. that have made them kind of feel like they weren't enough to deserve certain things. So, you know, we're talking about too, like, as a little kid, like you never got to have the clothes that kids had at school, you never got to do certain things, you know, people were traveling, people were doing this. And it was kind of like always this, like, you're so expensive, we can't afford to do anything because you cost me so much money. And just this, you know, like, I, I can't have money, I don't have money, just this, it just really comes, it's, yeah, it's this roundabout circle that keeps going around of scarcity, because that's all that they've been taught. Mm-hmm. that they don't deserve it, that they shouldn't have it, that that it's a problem if they do. And yeah. Have you ever seen any any research? I'm wondering, like people who grew up with a lot of money, like if there's actual difference in their brain chemistry versus people who grew up with that scarcity mindset? I haven't seen any research myself on that. Um, I would love to see some. Yeah. Um, but I have clients that have a lot of money and don't feel good enough. Mm. Don't feel that 
they just, you know, that not deserving thing, it really comes down to, you know, your heart and what's kind of happened to make your heart feel that way. And it goes with money, it goes with relationships, all that sort of thing, right? I'm not good enough to feel loved. I'm not, it's all intertwined together that way, I feel. And that really does bring around that perspective of really money is just energy, the same as, you know, the energy we create within our relationships or with the work we do in the world. That's exactly right. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. You know, the money thing is is such a, a map of your life to, you know, really go through and go back in. And, and my, my work, we get quite deep into things and we uncover a lot which I actually think is quite beautiful because it just really gives you that opportunity to deal with some stuff. We deal with a lot of layers within your onion when you do my process of money coaching, I think, because it's all the same stuff, right? Like it's all, Mm -hmm. it's all the same emotions you're trying to cover. It's all the same stuff coming up, you know, why don't you feel good enough? Well, my dad never loved me. He left when he was, when I was two years old and he wanted nothing to do with me and he never paid for anything for me. And it just, yeah. Yeah. That stuff gets wired in at such such a young age and it really is becomes these subconscious, you know, lower brain level patternings that I think, I don't know what the best way is to work with them, but with some of the I think the awareness is huge and the journaling. I know there's a, a one psychiatrist lady who's huge on like future self journaling, but I like the gratitude journal as well. And then I, mm-hmm. yeah, I think awareness, like I work a lot with awareness and, and I do more sensation based work, but I think just like watching when something's happening is such a huge like beginning step to be able to create change of like you were saying in the car with having the little journal of like, Oh wait, I want to go buy this stuff. Like, let me write that down. Let me be aware this is happening. Yes. Yeah. I, and I still to this day have those moments where I just want to escape from life and go spend a lot of money and just go and do a lot of things. And, um, it's, it's saved my ass a couple of times. That's great okay, Linda, like, let's let's reel it back here. What's actually (laughs) happening. And that's what I love about myself is that I can actually say like, I, you know, financial recovery is something you work at every day, just like your recovery from alcohol or substance abuse, your recovery from anything. It's an everyday thing. And yeah, you just got to really focus on it. Mm -hmm. Work the work, do the work. Yeah. Yeah. Put the time in. Exactly. Exactly. Do, so do you do, I'll just ask a different question. <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, uh, with the recovery and the money coaching, do you just do that like through She Recovers or are you affiliated with them or do you have your own practice? I have my own practice. So right now, and I think it's going to be an ongoing thing. I do have a course that I'm offering with She Recovers. So we've collaborated. So I work with another coach um, who's a She Recovers recovery coach as well. So there's two coaches and we do um, a course called Financial Balance. So it's a six-week group coaching sessions that we do where usually I just do one-on-one coaching like within my own practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so this will be our second Financial Balance course that I've done through She Recovers and the group coaching has been pretty cool. It's uh, <laughs> It's been amazing to see. I think women together is so healing women heal together 
when you, yeah, I'm getting shivers thinking about it. it. When you have, we meet on Zoom. So like, it's kind of like a virtual classroom that we go into and we do writing exercises in the groups. And um, every week we have like a theme that we go on. But when women are together, sharing their hearts, really being truthful. That's what I love as well about women in recovery, because we've done the work. We can share our hearts really easy. So, well, not easy, but it gets easier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So with that, you know, you're not alone. That's the one thing that I really love people to know is that there's so many people that go through the exact same emotions all the time. And when somebody says, like, I spend way too much money, I have a huge, you know, a huge balance on my credit card, I'm never going to get out of debt, I don't know what to do. Um, And people are like, Oh, my God, like me too, or it brings me such shame and guilt that, you know, I'm lying to my husband, because I'm afraid to tell him how much money I spend. Um, It just, and when somebody says, Oh, my God, I feel the same way, something really powerful about that. Definitely. It, it takes some of that shame and guilt away. I think just, just like I think going into early recovery and understanding that there are other people who've gone through the same thing. It just takes some of the pressure off where it's not like, oh, I'm this terrible person or there's something wrong with me. It's like, oh no, I'm just a human having this experience and other people are having it too. And I, I don't feel so alone. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole like wanting to go and spend a bunch of money and just kind of having the effort attitude and they're just going Mm -hmm. off and doing whatever. Um, There was a couple of those moments when you're doing the work that it's kind of like, oh, my God, I need to leave this uncomfortable feeling and to have women or a coach there to say like, it's okay, like, okay, what do we need to do? What tools do you have that we can, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of get you to a different state of mind? And it's, um, it's very powerful. Yeah, I love that. I love, um, I've found a women's group in the past eight months here that I just adore because it is really like that. I mean, not around money, just around general recovery, but it's so healing. It really is to just be in a room of women just sharing like openly what's going on with them. Like no bullshit, no judgment, just, you know, here's what's up for me. It's it's really lovely. I don't think I've ever had an experience quite like that. So I've been very grateful for it. Beautiful. I think it's really important in recovery. Yeah, I think so too. Um, And it kind of makes me a little like sad for people that don't have that. I'm like, everyone needs this. All women need it. And probably men need it too, you know, like just to get together and to be able to share openly like that. It's, um, it's a real gift, I think, of of being in recovery. I agree. And then I remember what I wanted to ask you earlier was about, I just did a little talk this morning per someone's request about um, self-care. And she was curious about oh, I don't take the time or money to spend on, you know, enough self-care. I feel guilty when I do. But then I've also seen the other way where people swing into like, and I think especially this can be true in early recovery, like I need all this self-care. I need to book like a massage a week and go to the spa. And instead of maybe sitting down and like doing a financial spreadsheet or whatever I need to do, I'm going to go like do self-care where it becomes kind of another form of like escapism in a way. For Um, sure. Have you, what's been your experience with self-care and spending with yourself or some of the people that you work with? Yeah, my, my uh, version of self-care when I was first in recovery was the spa, was the, you know, going away to a hotel with my husband in a place that was way too overpriced. And it was just, 
yeah, self-care costs a lot of money and it costs a lot of money, you know, like yoga itself is even so expensive in some Mm -hmm. studios. So I for sure say that um, I'm a money coach that tells you that you need to spend money on self-care. I'm not one to tell people that, you know, that, What's the word I'm looking for? Like you can't have like the complete opposite. Like you can't go into this scarcity mode and not have anything. Don't ever buy a coffee. Don't ever do this. But I think it's something that you need to get a handle on because it gets out of control really, really, really quickly. Um, so making sure you set a budget for it. That seems so. Wise. That like yeah, that's I have a self care. Um, you know, part of my budget that I have in there. And it's, you know, once that's used up, it's used up every so I got to the point where I really got real with myself. And, you know, during my own financial recovery, and every time like I had like a sober anniversary or something like that, I would just go buy myself a really beautiful bubble bath. Mm. $10, you know, something like that, something just really small, a beautiful candle. Um, a beautiful journal, you know, like, okay, well, you know, let's go buy a new journal to use as my money gratitude journal and just have that one separate and just small things, but just to be really conscious of what those are, because stuff like that adds up really quickly. Yeah, it definitely can. I think it's good too to sort of distinguish like the self-care things that are more expensive versus things that we can do, like you were saying, that are considerably less expensive or free, like go for a walk in the woods or, um, exactly. go just, for a hike. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. a huge part of my self care personally is to get outside in nature. Well, and movement is so important in recovery, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, in, and yeah. in life, definitely. For sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you, do you have any, um, anything in particular that you want to promote or that you'd like to let people know while you're on this platform? I think that right now my main focus is the financial balance course with She Recovers, um, just because I think it's such an amazing community. I highly recommend it to any woman that's in recovery. They do have another coaching program that's specifically about like connecting with other women in recovery, but me and Leanna's course is specifically about financial balance. So that's the thing I'm really working on right now. Um, in the background, I'm still finishing up. I, again, in recovery, you do all these, you just want to keep learning, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Like, like it all up right now. Um, so I'm doing a little bit of learning um, with Kate Northrup, who is one of my heroes. Um, she wrote a book called Money Love that I highly recommend to anyone. Um, and then also working with Karen McCall on her financial recovery designation. Um, And then I'm going to start, you know, doing a few different things, but I do my one-on-one coaching. I'm quite busy with that. Um, And then my financial balance course with She Recovers. So if you go to my website, there's, if you sign up for my newsletter, there's like free money tips that you'll get sent to you. I'm just really kind of simplifying some stuff with money. I also have a money type quiz. So with that money type quiz, it really goes into your behaviors and what words describe you with money and gives you an analysis of, you know, kind of what your behaviors with money are for you and what your archetype is with that. So I coach to archetypes quite a bit just to kind of have a measurement of where you're at. 
So those are on my website as well. Okay. And is with the course that you're doing um, with She Recovers, the, the group coaching, does that, is that ongoing or does that start up again at a certain time? Yeah, we're in our second one right now. And our third one begins uh, September. The next one is going to start on September 16th. Okay, great. Yeah. So we're going to try to get a couple in before the, before next year. And then of course, January rolls around and we'll probably be pretty busy in that course with people making all the uh, resolutions of being better with money. (laughs) Might as well start in September, get get a jump start on on the resolutions. Exactly. Get, get it all together. My big thing is, you know, Christmas, everybody goes totally crazy. And it's my time of year where I'm just like, I love to coach at that time of year. So the September will get you kind of ready to make sure that you have a successful Christmas and you're not paying it off. You know, my thing is, is debt equals stealing from your future self. So So. true. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. Do you, um, do you have any just broad tips for debt management? Like, do you do like the snowball method or I know there's another one that's similar to that where you like pay off the one with the highest interest or the one with the biggest balance or what do you tell, um, what's your advice for people with a lot of debt? I think that it's, well, I think obviously the one thing I would love to see everybody do is to kind of be able to consolidate it into one plan, like one payment. Um, I think that that's what, really hard for people is if they have a bunch of debt and they're making minimum payments to like seven different credit cards and it's I call it the never never plan you're just never getting anywhere with it some people aren't in that financial situation where they're able to get approved for a consolidation so from there yeah it's kind of okay how are we going to make sure that you're making your minimum payments without ruining completely ruining your credit And is there other ways that you can start making a little bit more money? Like, is there a side hustle that you can look into? Um, Most of us that are in financial recovery have a house full of stuff. What can you sell? You know, like things like that. And just sort of starting to change your mind, your mindset and really like looking at what you're spending money on. Cause we don't need to spend money on half the stuff we spend money on. That's so true. Yeah. Our world is obsessed with spending money. Yeah, I mean, it brings us pleasure and delight if it's not on one thing that it is on, you know, self-care, if it's not on clothes, it's like, but no, do this to feel good for yourself or, yeah, it's always something. And then food is so expensive because we're supposed to eat a certain way. Right, right. Oh, and uh, yeah, the list goes on and on and on. Those of us who are saving a lot of money in recovery because we're not drinking anymore, Mm -hmm. we're spending it on other stuff. I know. I felt like I should have a huge financial influx, but my finances are definitely much more stable just because of a, of a lot of things. But uh, yeah, I was like, I should have so much extra money. I'm not buying all this booze. But yeah, it didn't really work that way. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and it usually doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that from yeah. other people too. And I spoke yeah. with a woman. Um, she was a guest a couple episodes ago, and she was actually doing something called a no-buy year, which I thought was really fascinating, where she just had it set up, I think, I'm not sure what her parameters were, but it was like she talked about instead of buying a whole bunch of new plates, she would just go to Goodwill and get like two plates, like when she had a couple dishes crack with her sons and um, just not buying new clothes or anything like that for a year and putting whatever money. 
Yeah, I know. It was it was a cool concept. I'm like, wow. And but she was saying how people will do it for different things, like for eating out or for clothes or for certain aspects of their budget. Not like you don't buy anything for the year, but just where can you cut back and, and sort of make it a game that way, which I thought was pretty cool. Absolutely. I did I did my first no spend October last October mm-hmm. and I'm gonna do it again this year. So I'm gonna kind of that's something to look out for because I'm gonna, you know, have a little group um on Facebook, whoever wants to join me on it. It was so fun. And for me it was fun because I geek out on stuff like that. Yeah. But to actually see what I wanted to spend money on and yeah, like I ended up saving, I think I finally totaled it up. It was like $712 or something compared to what I would have usually spent money on. That's and I have to say, I'm a pretty frivolous. Yeah, it's I, very significant. I went through and ate everything that was in my house. Like mm-hmm. I hardly bought because we have, I have a pantry full of stuff and a freezer full of stuff. And I was just like, well, why don't I just eat, like make recipes out of what's in there? That was awesome. And it was just, just little tiny things that added up. I loved it. Did you, for the no spend October, it sounds like you did. So it was just across the board where could you reduce any kind of spending? Like obviously you would still put gas in your car and things like that, but like nothing extra, no coffees out or. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing like that. So it was, I was going to a meeting of some sort, I would bring my own tea and cause I just like to have that. And it was just really changed my, you know, and it was one of those things that I was promoting it because people start to go and spend way too much money right before Christmas. So it was kind of like, okay, well, how about we have a look at where our finances are and what we could actually not spend money on. And then I was able to use that money for Christmas. And that's all I spent on Christmas. And that's great. It that way. Yeah, I loved it. It was really fun. Yeah, yeah. I want to take part people of that. Didn't find, some people didn't find it fun. But <laughs> <laughs> I, think it's, I think it becomes more fun, though, when you make it a game, like, or try, you know, try to it's um, well, and when other people are doing it, and it's kind of like somebody talked me off the ledge. I want to go and do this. It's like no, like just watch Netflix at home, and you don't need to go to a movie and spend a ton of money on that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, I a whole year, I don't know if I could do it, but October. Yeah, yeah. a month seems good. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll keep yeah. an eye out for that. I want to. I want to partake. That yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. And you, you kind of wrote down like when you wanted to spend money or what you ordinarily would have spent money on. That's how you totaled up that seven hundred dollars. Definitely, I had an Excel spreadsheet on the go. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. Because it's again, it's that accountability. Yeah. Awareness. If you don't write it down, if you don't know, like if you're not having that connection, um, it's hard to really measure your success. Definitely. And it's really hard to argue with like black and white figures in front of you. Exactly. That's exactly right. I like black and white figures. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of my way is really writing stuff down. I'm a big writer. Yeah. I think it's useful because again, it's hard to to argue with. Yeah. You've got it right there in front of you. So it's more difficult to make excuses around. Yeah. Yeah, there and I've had people who when they finally wrote it down and they've had been so much stress and there's so much stress going on and once they finally write stuff down it's like oh, it's actually not that bad. Yeah. 
yeah, I get a lot of that. It's either like, oh God, I'm spending way too much on this. And then other people are like, I'm actually doing pretty good. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, where was the attitude coming from that you weren't doing good? Like, let's look at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a never ending journey. (laughs) Yeah. That's life, huh? So it keeps it interesting. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much, Linda, for coming on. I really enjoyed talking with you. And it's, I think the work you're doing is just, it's awesome. So needed and so interesting. It's a really great service. Thank you very much. Yes, it's my calling and it makes my heart really, really happy. I think as much as my clients get out of it, I feel, and again, I get goosebumps because watching people succeed and, and be able to be successful with money and recovery is one of the most beautiful things in the world. So yeah, oh, I'm happy to be yeah. able to do it for people. Yeah. You're changing lives. That's awesome. Yes. Thank you. Cool. All right. And I'll post um, all your info up in the show notes. So for anyone listening, we'll have all that up there and uh, we'll see you guys next time.